The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 109 Solomon Chosen as King David, king of Israel, had done a very foolish thing. The census of Israel he had called for was against God's wishes. God wanted Israel and its king to count on his might, not on the might of a large army. Because David had called the census, 70,000 people had suddenly died. The king, repentant for his actions, called for God to end the punishment. God stayed the hand of the angel of death at Mount Moriah, just northeast of the capital city, Jerusalem. He told David through the prophet Gad that he should build an altar on the site of Ornan, the Jebusite's threshing floor, which sat on Mount Moriah. The plague would be stopped completely once he had done this. David rushed to meet Onan. Onan was disturbed. He had been threshing wheat with his four sons when one of them turned pale, dropped his flail, and pointed upward. What is that? he cried. Staring at the radiance that had suddenly appeared, an angel stood in the sky above them. Holding a drawn sword, light glowed around him. Let's get out of here, cried another son, dropping his tools and running for cover. The other three quickly followed him. Ornan alone stayed, mesmerized by the appearance of the angel. What did it mean? Keeping an eye on the angel, he resumed his work. If the angel wanted to kill him, running away wouldn't do any good he reasoned. Hearing footsteps outside, he turned to see the king of Israel approaching. Ornan rushed out of the threshing floor and bowed to the ground. God has brought a plague on Israel because of my decision to take a census, David told Ornan. Grant me this spot so I can make an offering to God and stop this death from continuing any further. I offer you the full price of the land. Onan was anxious to do anything he could to help. How can I ask for money when so many lives are in the balance? He responded. Take the land and if you need wheat or oxen or wood, they are yours too. David shook his head. I will pay the full price, he said. We will use the supplies you mentioned, but I will pay for those as well. How could I give God what doesn't belong to me? True to his word, David paid a fair price for everything. He and his entourage quickly prepared an altar so they could sacrifice to God. Once everything was ready, God showed his approval of their sacrifice by sending fire from heaven. In the
the sky above Mount Moriah, the angel put his sword back into his kabat and disappeared. Soon, messengers arrived and told David that the deaths had stopped. David prayed fervently to God, thanking him for his mercy. He had learned a costly lesson. David's mind had been on building a temple for God for some time. God had told him at one point that he would not be the one to build the temple, but that his son Solomon would. He called David a man of blood. God wanted his son Solomon to build the temple because he would be a man of peace. David, undeterred by not being able to see it during his lifetime, prepared with all his might for the future temple. He set the Levitical priesthood in order with all its priests, musicians, keepers of the things of the temple, and other helpers, and established a system of priestly work shifts or courses that survived for centuries beyond his reign. In addition, during his lifetime, he prepared a vast amount of material for the construction of God's house. He even put together the plans for this temple, which was to be fantastic beyond anything ever seen in Israel or even the whole world. The land on Mount Moriah that David purchased during the census plague served a purpose too. It was the place where the temple was to be built. David prepared everything he could before his death so his son would be able to construct the most fantastic building the world had ever seen, all for the glory of God. Much of it came from his personal wealth. He turned the materials and the blueprints over to his son before his own death. At this point, David was 69 years old. His strength had begun to desert him and he was wearing down with age. Due to his circulatory problems, he could not stay warm, no matter how many layers he piled on. His advisors debated what to do and finally decided to seek a young woman to stay close to him and keep him warm. They sent messengers through the land of Israel and chose a young lady named Abishag to help the ailing king. Though this might seem to be an unwise move, the Bible states that there was no wrongdoing in the relationship. In fact, Abishag was an excellent nurse for David and served him extremely well. David's illness had unintended consequences. Though he had agreed earlier in life that Solomon should be king after him, another of his sons had designs on the throne. His eldest living son, Adonijah, had started to build a power base among the people, following the example of his now deceased brother, Absalom. Although David was an excellent king, he was plagued throughout his life with family problems. 
God's law does not allow for polygamy, and David was not the only man of God who had disobeyed and followed this worldly custom. Disobeying God's law always brings penalties. In David's case, one consequence of this sinful situation was that he was not as involved or firm with his children as he should have been. Adonijah rode around in gaudy chariots and had 50 men to run before him and announce that he was coming. He did not carry himself with humility, but preened like a peacock before the people. Adonijah also recruited several of the men in David's inner circle who were willing to betray their king to support him in his bid for the throne. Among these men were Joab, commander of the army, and Abiathar, the priest. These men had been with David since the very beginning. Thankfully, most of the men from David's inner circle resisted following Adonijah, instead staying loyal to David and waiting for him to choose a successor. Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet were among these. In a bid to increase his popularity, Adonijah held parties like campaign rallies, increasing his support with the people by buying them off with food and wine. He invited his brothers and many of the higher-ups in the land but refrain from asking those who stayed loyal to David. Of the king's sons, only Solomon was not invited. Nathan the prophet was extremely concerned by Adonijah's coup attempt. He went privately to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. Have you seen what Adonijah is doing? He asked her. He's trying to take over the country and David doesn't know anything about it. If he takes power, he will surely kill both you and Solomon. I have some advice for you. I know that God has chosen Solomon for the throne, he continued. The king has promised that this would be so, but we must speak to him and remind him of this. If you go to David first, I will come in as you speak and confirm what you say. Bathsheba agreed. She had been concerned about Adonijah as well and went to David immediately to speak to him. She told the king what Adonijah had been doing, laying out the entire picture of his excesses and of the people who had gone over to him. If Adonijah comes to power, she told David, both Solomon and I will be counted among his enemies and he will kill us after you are dead. While she spoke, a messenger entered and told David that Nathan had come to speak with him. Bring him in, said the king, dismissing Bathsheba. Nathan intently laid out the same points that Bathsheba had. Did you not say that Solomon would rule in your place just as God commanded? Do you want Adonijah to take power? The king, who had been sagging in his chair, sat a little straighter, his eyes hardened with resolve. Bring Bathsheba back into me, David ordered, and Nathan hurried out. 
When Bathsheba entered, David looked at her for a moment. God told me that Solomon was to take the throne, he said. I promised you that this would happen. He will rule on my throne, and we will crown him this very day, before Adonijah gains any more influence among the people. Bathsheba thanked him. Let my lord, King David, live forever. The aged king turned to a servant and asked him to bring Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and his god captain Benaniah. When they entered, David told them to bring Solomon to the Gihon spring, which lay outside the west gates of Jerusalem. Take a group of my gods with you and put Solomon on my personal mule. Once you reach the spring, anoint him king, announce it to the people, and blow trumpets. Let them know what has happened so there can be no doubt. Then return him here. Benaniah bowed to the king. God's will is in this, he said. May he be with your son as he has been with you, and may he make his reign even greater than yours has been. The procession to the spring attracted a great deal of attention. It became obvious to the people that something special was happening, and they followed, first in trickles, then in droves. In front of an enormous crowd, Solomon knelt before Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet. Hands were placed upon his head, and oil was poured upon him as they ask God to bless the new king. Then, with the crown placed upon his head, Solomon rose to his feet. Trumpets blew, and the crowd began to shout, The noise escalated to such a volume that it could be heard throughout and even beyond the city. Israel had a new king. occurred right in the middle of Adonijah's party. The noise reached his guests, who had just finished their meal. What on earth is that noise? exclaimed Joab. As a military man, his mind turned instantly to thoughts of Jerusalem being attacked. The guests looked around and began to murmur to each other. As the confusion began to grow, Abiathar's son, Jonathan, strode into the area looking grim. Adonijah caught his eye. If it isn't Jonathan, he said, striding over to him. An honest and worthy man is a sight for sore eyes. 
What good news do you bring? I doubt you're going to like what I have to say, said Jonathan. Our Lord, King David, has just taken action. Solomon has been anointed king of Israel, and the sound you hear is the rejoicing of the people. He has the support of many of the nobility and those close to David. The throne is irrevocably in his hands. Those close enough to hear Jonathan's words began to tell the others who hadn't heard, and word spread rapidly among the partygoers. Within a short time, Adonijah's supporters all disappeared. He was alone. Their hasty departure showed what little loyalty there is among rebels. Adonijah knew he had acted against his father's will, but had assumed David would do nothing about it. Solomon's anointing put a new spin on things. Adonijah imagined what his horrible fate would be now that his rebellion was uncovered. How could he save his life? Suddenly, he thought about the tabernacle. There, the altar was viewed as something of a refuge. Adonijah gambled that David would not come after him in this sacred place of protection. The tabernacle seemed to be the safest place to go. Word of his brother's attempt to hide came to Solomon. He sent soldiers to find Adonijah. Rumors he was in the tabernacle brought the soldiers searching. When the soldiers entered the tabernacle, Adonijah grabbed the horns of the altar, shouting, Don't take me away! If you remove me, Solomon will execute me for treason! The soldiers paid him no heed, removing the struggling prince from the tabernacle and bringing him before Solomon. Adonijah bowed deeply to his brother. Please, brother, swear to me you won't kill me, he pleaded, not daring to look up at the man who held the throne he coveted. You knew that you were not meant to inherit the throne, but you still sought it, said Solomon, frowning. However, you seem to have learned your lesson. I will show you mercy if you keep out of trouble and don't seek the throne anymore. Not a hair of your head will be touched. However, if I hear of you stirring up dissent again, you will die. You may go in peace. Hardly believing what he heard, Adonijah cautiously raised himself from the ground. Thank you, King Solomon, he said quietly. He quickly left before the young king could change his mind. Solomon, although only 20 years old, was thoughtful and capable of making good decisions. He also listened to the counsel of his father. King David had taught him much, but the aging monarch still had a few words for his son. One day, not long before he died, David addressed a large assemblage of nobles and officials of Israel one last time with his son standing by his side. Thank you all for coming, he said. 
his voice frail from age and illness. I have a few things to say today. First is the matter of the temple. I wanted to build a temple for God instead of a tabernacle. Originally, when I told Nathan of my idea, he approved of it. But God had other plans. Nathan came back the next day and told me that God did not want me to build the temple because I had been a man of war. Instead, he said my son would build it in my place. He has chosen Solomon just as he chose me. David turned to his son and spoke with gravity and love. Solomon, before all these people, I charge you with keeping all the commandments of God. Know him and serve him with a willing heart. Do not forsake him. God has chosen you for a great work. You are to build a house for him on this earth. I have prepared extensively for this. All the materials and plans are ready. All that remains is the building of it, and that falls to you. Everyone in the nation, from the least to the greatest, will follow you in this great work. David grew more and more impassioned over the course of his speech, and excitement filled the room. The leaders of the nation were astonished to see the king, known to be frail and ill, now standing before them full of life. He was visibly excited as he presented his son with detailed plans for the temple, its instruments, and its operation. He provided an inventory of all the material he had accumulated for its construction. Who stands beside my son in this endeavor? He asked the people. Cheers and applause resounded. After the noise died down, the old king continued. Let everyone who wishes to be a part of this great work offer as he is able and willing to give, he said. The people responded by giving a tremendous amount of material and pledging labor to the work of building the temple in Jerusalem. This was extremely pleasing to God, David and Solomon. David offered up a deeply moving prayer, praising and thanking God for the honor of being able to participate in such a noble project. He then led the crowd in offering special sacrifices to the great God. After the meeting had concluded, David called Solomon into his room. The energy that had animated him during his last public appearance had left. King David was again subdued, feeling the full effects of his illness. I will die soon, Solomon, he said. You must be strong and show what manner of man you are. 
follow God and his law in everything and he will support you. God promised me that my line would continue on the throne of Israel. Show yourself worthy of that promise. There are a few matters that need to be taken care of that I will not be able to do. I leave them to you. Show wisdom in the way you go about them. Joab proved himself an excellent army commander, but he murdered good men. Don't let him die in peace. He deserves execution for what he has done. Shimei cursed me when I fled at the time of Absalom's rebellion. He made amends, and I promised not to kill him, but he is guilty. Deal with him wisely, and don't let him go to his grave in peace. He also gave instructions concerning the family of Barzillai, who had helped him, and Shimei, who had cursed him. Solomon took his father's words to heart. Not long after this talk, King David died. He ruled Israel for 40 years, and God used him to accomplish a tremendous work. The Israelites buried their beloved king in a spot reserved for kings who were respected and loved by all the people. King David's legacy as a musician, a poet, a prophet, a warrior, a worshiper, a builder of Israel, a royal patriarch, a man after God's own heart and a past and future king remains with us to this day. continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the resources tab at pcg.church.